When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Hello, friends. Welcome to Spark My Muse. I am Lisa Colon DeLay, and I welcome you to Soul School. Lesson 242. Today on Twitter, a friend of mine, Robert J. Munson, posted a message and it said, Who inspires you to dream? It got me to thinking about mentors and people who inspire me. As I've thought back over my life, there have been certain people who've come alongside me for short periods of time, usually soul friends and camp counselors but I remember, especially in my 20s and in my 30s, really, really longing for a spiritual mentor and mainly finding those mentors in books. Someone who's meant a great deal to me that I come back to again and again, one of my favorite spiritual mentors is Dr. Howard Thurman. And as I reflect on some of his writings today and read them, they're from the book For the Inward Journey, the Writings of Howard Thurman, selected by his daughter, Anne Spencer Thurman. This is a really lovely collection of his work. If you get his biography with Head and Heart, Jesus the Disinherited, and this book, you have a great start on understanding the work of Thurman, his perspectives, and his unique contribution to spiritual formation, contemplative spirituality, and nonviolence that comes from the inside out. One of the things I wanted to read to you today is called Saddle Your Dreams from page eight. And this fits nicely in with the question that Robert posed, who inspires you to dream? There are so many nuggets in this book, short essays, poems, sermons, excerpts from his other books. This one is particularly interesting. Saddle your dreams before you ride them. It is the nature of dreams to run riot, never to wish to contain themselves within limitations that are fixed. Sometimes they seem to be the very cry of the heart for the boundless and the unexplored. Often they are fashioned out of longings too vital to die, out of hankerings fed by hidden springs in the dark places of the spirit. Often they are the offspring of hopes that can never be realized and the longings that can never find fulfillment. Sometimes they are the weird stirrings of ghosts of dead plans and the kindling of ashes in a hearth 
that has long since been deserted. Many and fancy are the names by which dreams are called. Fantasies, repressed desires, vanities of the spirit, will o' the wisps. Sometimes we seek to dismiss them by calling their indulgence daydreaming, by which we mean taking flight from the realities of our own world and dwelling in the twilight of vain imaginings. All of this may be true, but all their meaning need not be exhausted by such harsh judgment. Dreams belong to us. They come full-blown out of the real world in which we work and hope and carry on. They are not imposters. They are not foreign elements invading our world like some solitary comet from the outer reaches of space, which pays one visit to the sun and is gone never to come again. No, our dreams are our thing. They become other when we let them lose their character. Here is the fatal blunder. Our dreams must be saddled by the hard facts of our world before we ride them off among the stars. Thus they become for us the bearers of the new possibility, the enlarged horizon, the great hope. Even as they romp among the stars, they come back to their place in our lives, bringing with them the radiance of the far heights, the lofty regions, and giving to all our days the lift and the magic of the stars. That's beautiful and inspiring. I can't add anything to it except for to say I'm treasuring it in my heart. I'm treasuring what dreams can be. And I'm accepting that blessed wisdom from my mentor today. On page 10, there is a poem he writes called Knowledge Shall Vanish Away. And here I will make mention, as I have in other episodes where I have featured Dr. Howard Thurman, he is very gender specific and antiquated in his speech because he's from another time. So when he says man, of course, he's meaning men and women. And this is just a way of speaking that seems difficult to some of us today because we wind up having to translate it in our minds when we're not men out of privilege that people have written this way and out of common parlance. But I'm not going to translate as I have with Thomas Merton into something we can better understand out of respect for his words here. But I hope that you will be able to understand and appreciate this nonetheless. Knowledge shall vanish away. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. A ceaseless search, like the ebb and flow of oceans, marks all man's days. For him, no rest, no rest. The fever in the blood is the answer to the temper of the mind. When time was young, just learning how to walk, it placed its stamp on the single cell, which gave a slant to all that lives, today or yesterday, no matter when. A ceaseless search, like the ebb and flow of oceans, marks all man's days. Is there some point, some place of rest, to bring an end to all man's quest? Something that does not fail? Something that lasts beyond all things that pass? When shadows thicken and the lights grow dim? Some worldly hope that gives retreat from all the winds that beat upon the world? Some sure attachment to another's life? 
that stands secure against all change of mind or heart? Some private dream where only dwells the purest secrets of desire? All these must fade, all these must pass away. There is a sense of wholeness at the core of man that must abound in all he does, that marks with reverence his every step, that has its sway when all else fails, that wearies out all evil things, that warms the depth of frozen fears, making friend of foe, making love of hate, and last beyond the living and the dead, beyond the goals of peace, the ends of war. This man seeks through all his years to be complete and of one peace within, without. I enjoy how Dr. Thurman highlights this yearning to be complete and at peace and in one peace within and without. That kind of longing and searching and desire is, is very close to my heart and what I tend to write about, what I tend to search for in my own life and in my own writings. I'm writing to some of that right now in a new book that I'm beginning to lay out. And finally, I'd like to read from page 26 in Howard Thurman's book, For the Inward Journey, the writings of Howard Thurman selected by Ann Spencer Thurman. This one is called Strength to be Free. Give me the strength to be free. The thought of being free comes upon us sometimes with such power that under its impact we lose the meaning that the thought implies. Often being free means to be where we are not at the moment, to be relieved of a particular set of chores or responsibilities that are bearing heavily upon minds. To be surrounded by a careless rapture with no reminders of costs of any kind. To be on the open road with nothing overhead but the blue sky and whole days in which to roam. For many, being free means movement, change, reordering. To be free may not mean any of these things. It may not involve a single change in a single circumstance, or it may not extend beyond one's own gate, beyond the four walls in the midst of which all of one's working hours and endless nights are spent. It may mean, it may mean no surcease, from the old familiar routine and the perennial cares which have become one's persistent lot. Quite possibly your days mean the deepening of your rut, the increasing of your monotony, and the enlarging of the areas of your dullness. All of this and more may be true for you. Give me the strength to be free. Often to be free means the ability to deal with the realities of one's situation so as not to be overcome by them. It is the manifestation of a quality of being and living that results not from understanding of one's situation, but also from wisdom in dealing with it. It takes no strength to give up, to accept shackles of circumstance so that they become shackles of soul. To shrug the shoulders in bland acquiescence, this is easy. But do not congratulate yourself that you have solved anything. In simple language, you have sold out, surrendered, given up. It takes strength to affirm the high prerogative of your spirit. And you will find that if you do, 
a host of invisible angels will wing to your defense, and the glory of the living God will envelop your surroundings, because in you he has come into his own. One of the things Dr. Howard Thurman impressed upon me is coming into knowledge and awareness and then acceptance that I am a holy child of God. He was taught this from a very young age by his own grandmother, who often took care of him because his mother worked and his father had passed away when he was seven. Grandmother, who had once been a slave in northern Florida, shared with him this eternal truth that he was a holy child of God, and in that he could find his truest identity. Down deep in the core of his soul, and the soul extends outward all the way out to our body and then out in some other field that connects us to each other. But that soul of ours is connected to our source, to our God, and we are the holy children of God. Howard Thurman understood this in such a deep down way that provided a continual center for him. So when he would go off in silence, stillness, get off by himself in nature, quiet down, he would call it centering down, he would connect with this deepest part, this part that was acutely aware and connected to God as a holy child of God. That is a thought that has come to me far too late. I've been a cradle Christian because my dad was a minister. I was a pastor's kid. And it was my understanding that we loved God because of what God did for us. We owed God that. We owed God love and worship. And that obligation felt very serious. And it felt as though I was skipping out on a duty. And if I didn't do my duty, the guilt was very intense. But what I've come to realize is that we are only really just loving God back. That's not much to ask, to love God back. And worship, when people say God deserves our worship, worship just is a very concentrated way of loving God back. And as I understand my identity as a holy child of God, as Howard Thurman has inspired me to do and has taught me to do, I realize that there is a connection, not an obligation. There is a connection where love is mutual and goes back and forth. I had had many times of feeling that God was disappointed in me and that I wasn't meeting those expectations properly, that I was continually falling short. And this is a really big misunderstanding of grace, which is interesting because I was taught about grace all along. But for some reason, but for some reason, my obedience to God in terms of love wasn't really tied to this idea of grace. Maybe God would punish me if I wasn't doing it right. In a way, God was treated not as the source of love, but as a source of judgment or disapproval. More like a human authority with flaws and limitations and irritations instead of the lover of my soul. And as a holy child of God, I'm always accepted. And in appreciation of that, I love God back. 
And unwrapping what people mean when they say God is another task we need to do sometimes. Some people use the word deconstruct. Some people use the word expand. But I think it's really important that when we speak about God, we're not speaking about one solitary image in our mind, something people have told us, but that we're getting a wide scope of what that could mean when we say God. Because there is no limit, there is no box in which God belongs. But when we say we're a holy child of God, as the scripture tells us, we're part of this limitless love. And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength as the first commandment, and love your neighbor as yourself, and every law and the prophets hang on those two. It is really about loving God back and then loving all those that God has made because God loves them too. And it's actually kind of simple. It's just a mutuality of love. But sometimes we see that as a chore, as a hardship. Today I was listening to Pray As You Go, which is a wonderful app. I highly recommend that you included in your day as, as some kind of comforting spiritual practice because Pray As You Go is an audio devotional that includes scripture and questions and music and it is a comfort to my soul, a balm to my soul. And today it was talking about Jesus answering the question from the Pharisees about the greatest commandment in the Bible. And Jesus answers that it's about loving God, which is to say loving God back if you feel disconnected and isolated or lonely, it is because you feel disconnected from the source of love. You don't feel like you are a holy child of God, connected to the loving parent that God is. You can find that as you settle down, as you quiet down, as Thurman has taught me. You center down and quiet down into that still, quiet place deep inside, underneath all the anxieties and the commotions of your body and mind, quiet down long enough to the stillness in that core nugget of you in the soul. And there you will find a nest. And God, like a mother bird, will shelter you. Thank you so much for listening to this reflection and these readings. You can find more at sparkmymuse.com and follow the links to support what I'm doing each week or support monthly at patreon.com forward slash sparkmymuse. I want you to know that anything you contribute from a dollar to a hundred dollars is deeply appreciated and deeply needed so I can continue. I just made a purchase of equipment and in the coming weeks you'll hear hopefully some better sound. But that came at a great cost, and I hope that you will support me as I pay this bill. I wish you blessing and peace.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.